Welcome to Natureback Podcast, where we are talking with entrepreneurs about the green economy. My name is Tarma Verki, and today I'm speaking with John Feltz, co-founder and chief executive of CrossFoam. Enjoy the show. Hey there, I'm Merit. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Single Earth, and we are building a nature-backed currency to empower you to fight against climate change and biodiversity loss. Sign up at Single.Earth and be among the first to switch to a truly sustainable, nature-based economy. And don't forget to join the discussion around climate change and biodiversity loss on our Discord channel. Hi, John. Welcome to the Nature Pact. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Tell us in a few words, what is CrossFoam? I've heard quite a bit over the, over the last few years, but uh, what do you exactly do? CruiseFoam is a circular materials company. And we create regenerative biomaterials to help really catalyze global supply chains away from single-use petroleum-based materials and plastics. Um, you know, really, our, our mission, I would say, is tied around, you know, the ocean. It's, it's about how can we heal the ocean. So. I'm living by the ocean or by the Baltic Sea, and uh, every spring when, Ooh, I go nice. to, when I go to walk on the coast, I see the, uh, you know, the enormous amount of work in front of you <laughs> or in front of all of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting. We've really looked at this to the lens of the ocean in, in a lot of ways because it's first where the inspiration came from for Cruise Foam. It's, it's kind of where me and my co-founder were most, you know, tied to personally, spiritually, and I think through our, our schooling and our experience in, in the industry, we saw an opportunity behind this material we were working with to, to change kind of the trajectory. We saw what was happening to, you know, the oceans and the planet. And like you said, there's certain areas you go and it's just, my goodness, how, how has it gotten to this state? And, and I think that's really where we're just like, this has to, someone's got to do this. You know, I guess, I guess it'll be us. So let, let's go for it. So it's, it's, it's kind of that simple to a degree is we've made the decision. What was the beginning beginning point? Man, the beginning point was born definitely out of surfing. And so this was in 2016. Me and Marco were down here at UC Santa Cruz, kind of looking at what this material could do. It's called chitin. Chitin is the second most abundant biopolymer on the planet after cellulose. And it has a lot of interesting properties. And I think what we kind of really you know, t tuned into was this simple idea of nature has the answer. And, and it, it's kind of simple to say, but it, it's very complex when you kind of break it down. And it's understanding that a lot of times these huge, you know, problems that maybe seem too unapproachable, if you just kind of step back and really break it down and understand where the problem is coming from, a lot of times you're going to find ways in which you can get solutions from nature itself. And I think being out in the ocean, seeing this enormous amount of plastic entering our ocean, this material, ironically, chitin, is almost most abundantly found in the ocean. And it was kind of just this epiphany moment where me and Marco thought, this is something that just makes sense. And we went into the lab and, you know, I spent about a year and this basement lab doing testing and and it's funny i think about it I, I look back at some of the pictures i've taken you know over the ages and 
no joke outside of my lab was the styrofoam collection point of the entire school and so every day i would walk past these just giant gaylord boxes overflowing styrofoam broken spoon across the ground of just trash that's going to go into a landfill and it was just great inspiration but it kind of just reiterated the need for what we were trying to do and i think that's kind of where it started it just started saying hey let's work with nature to figure this out because it, it has so much that we we can learn from and that's mm -hmm. kind of where boom uh the styrofoam and the uh, ocean and surfing yeah have you actually kind of do they use styrofoam to make those surfboards or have you run into the styrofoam when surfing both both it's it's funny you know i would say our drive to start this company came from surfboards We're like let's go change how surfboards are made and the materials that are made in surfboards because typically almost all surfboards unless it's made of wood is made with a foam core and a foam core is historically has been polyurethane foam more recently not recently probably in the last decade plus but recently to a degree there's been a transition going towards EPS, extend, expanded polystyrene, or commonly kind of known as styrofoam. And I think everybody knows that never goes anywhere. And, and so we kind of had this, you know, a great representation through surfboards of how materials could be ma made better, especially when you look at it, it was the medium in which we connected with the thing that we love the most, the ocean. Yet it was kind of one of the things that you could argue is destroying the ocean. And so it, it was it was just like a great framework of 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 a way to you know really tackle and and use our technology in a novel way. How far are you today from cleaning those oceans? I I guess that over the last oh, time, over five or ten years, <laughs> the problem has got worse a little bit. Yeah, it's it's hard to be optimistic sometimes, but I think when when we look at this the way we're trying to approach it is really holistically and understand it's going to take multiple solutions and, and avenues of attack. You know, one great, you know, technology, I would say it's kind of a technology. I mean, it, it's, it, it's kind of just physical, but it's, it's become extremely effective is Boyan Slot's, you know, ocean cleanup program, clean up the great garbage patch. It started out, <laughs> didn't work at all. You know, I've chatted with them personally. And it's just like, you know, we we spent, like, we put out our first deployment and we came back with, like, 10 kilograms. We ran it five days in a row and it was always 10 kilograms. They reiterated it and they got it out. Well, now they're pulling enormous amounts out of the ocean. The issue is, is we're only accelerating what we're putting in. And it's nearly impossible to play catch up on a, you know, increasingly flowing faucet of trash. And I think we obviously need to try to get out what's already in there but the greater avenues of change and impact is going to become addressing it on the front end stopping it from even reaching the ocean or even being produced and that's where when we look at how we want to attack it it's more about providing the technology to the greater supply chains and industries where polystyrene and polyurethane just aren't being made they're able to substitute it with a similar performing biomaterial that has none of the end of life issues and a lot of times removes a lot of the front end issues where we're sourcing these things from areas where probably could be done a lot better. And we're not trying to take virgin product out of the ground. We're not trying to, you know, just have impact on both the back and the front. There's ways in which if you solve either one of them together, it's a very symbiotic attack and it's going to be tough. I think, you know, right now there's, 
I don't want to say so little we've done, but it's just such an enormous problem. And from my viewpoint, our goal would be, you know, to stop all EPS packaging from being made. When that's going to happen, hopefully it was yesterday, but we're we're going as quick as we can. So. Mm-hmm. The uh, I think the problem problem is a little bit similar, like we had in the previous episode, where there was a European company doing uh, tap water, basically doing mm-hmm. filters to clean the tap water with a mission to stop all the plastic bottles. Everybody knows that the plastic bottles are bad for your health. Everybody knows they cost so much more than you could actually get from the tap, but <laughs> sales sales of it is actually growing globally. So it's the kind of the uh, we have a solution. We have kind of good things which can actually solve the problem. But at the same time, there is, you know, in some places there is old industries. Some places yep. there's probably some kind of perceptions which just, you know, destroying the planet around us. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. And, and that's where, you know, you need some forcing functions. You need multiple kind of, you know, factors of, of, of to influence the change. And from ours, I think when you look at packaging, there's been a few things that have kind of pushed it forward over, over the, the last years, you know, you could say some of these regulations, um, you know, you could say some, some of the, the, the cost maybe is makes sense for certain things, but Ultimately, where we saw a lot of the breakdown of adoption and buy-in is scale and cost. And what goes hand in hand with that, though, is also once you have brands that align and understand the the need, it's mapping the timeline to an adoption rate that map that works for them. Because sometimes these these sustainability, you know, sustainable products just take too long to scale. And getting buy-in and development pathways with these large brands, it's just a really uphill battle. That's one way in which we've tackled this, is we want to be able to make products and biomaterials that can be manufactured in the same ways, distributed in the same ways, and you know, disposed of much differently. But honestly, I think when we look at the precipice of change that's happened, I think it's happened in the last year, at least for a lot of packaging we deal with, and it's in the e-commerce space. And I think you have the things like ESG goals, you know, EPR, extended producer responsibility, but the brands we talk to, and I think the shift that it's gone from, it's always kind of been a must have, like we need this. Now it's come become like, we desperately are going to take this from you is I think consumers have reached a point where it's not that they're demanding the change anymore. It's that they're so connected to the change that they weren't before. And what I mean by that is like, so many products that used to get shipped to box stores and unpacked, the packaging was never part of the experience the consumer had or had to deal with. That has completely been flipped on its head, where now you have not only do these consumers need to deal with just enormous amounts of packaging that they don't want to, and they don't have the infrastructure to deal with because you can't, you get one furniture and all of a sudden your garbage can's filled with EPS. You can't put anything in there for the next week. It's like, okay, where I put all my trash for the next week. And then on the flip side, A lot of it is, in the past, packaging has been secondary to the product. That is no longer the case. I see, and I get so much feedback, it's a holistic product pack people are buying now. You're buying the packaging with the product. And ironic, a lot of times the packaging lasts longer than the product, which is just backwards as hell. 
But I think really what we're seeing is brands are realizing there's a huge opportunity to differentiation and capturing the consumer in a way with the products through packaging that wasn't been a that wasn't a, wasn't really thought of before in, in a way that's really leverageable. That's where I think we're seeing you know real avenues of change happening quickly with with aligned brands. Probably for many consumers, this uh, merger of the packaging and the product kind of experience has come with Apple, I would guess. Yeah, already. Yeah. Apple's 10, a great example. 10, their 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 user experience is through the roof, and they 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 were ahead of the e-commerce game, I think, from the beginning because they 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 approached it that inherently. It, 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 that's just how you got your product to, and like you're saying, it is part of the product. When you exactly. open your Apple, you're like, this packaging is amazing, and you want to interact with it, you want to you know engage with mm-hmm. it, and that's where we're seeing a shift. Exactly. The uh, the other interesting uh, kind of packaging uh, startup I came across recently is an Estonian company called Vula. They use huh. la- lamb. Uh, what do you call the? What you get from the lamb? They wool, like the wool, like yeah. the, the wool leftovers, and turn them into the packaging of the material. Mm. Uh, a bit similar as, as you know you guys do with our plastics. It's really interesting the the, the novel kind of technologies that are coming out actually when we first started this company and we'll start it i think i was trying to do customer discovery to understand what the company was even going to be and we we're kind of coming off the tailwinds of surfboards and we tried to do surfboards for about nine months and i won't go into all the details but it wasn't going to be a venture back company let's put it mm-hmm. that way <laughs> but then we also kind of understood like the impact was clearly not from surfboards that we were trying mm-hmm. to change it was of through single-use materials and one of the programs we went through is called the National Science Foundation. They have a program called the i And it's to basically help you do customer discovery to define your business model. And I actually flew to Australia to do and, and went to the Australian Institute of Packaging. They had a conference there. And that was in 2018, I believe. I was first exposed to wool packaging there. And I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, who thinks of this stuff? And it was just such a great like tie, like you're saying. I was like, well, there's people who are crazy as I am out here trying to do these things. And why not? Let's put it together. And I think those are just fantastic. And why it's great to see because so many people look at biomaterials and you know, one company like ours and like, well, you're gonna fix everything. You know, you're you're gonna make foam for everything. And it's like, I wish, but like, let's be honest here. You look at plastics, there are how many different types of plastics just in foam, like 10. And even in those, there's like ranges of grades of those different that all do something differently. So it's like, we need wool, we need PHA, we need cruise foam, we need cellulosic foam, we need all of this stuff, because I guarantee you, we're going to find the markets where we can each play and add value different from each other, probably some crossover, I'm sure, but like, it's a combined effort. Like this is, this is needs to happen together. Exactly. Um, you touched a little bit about your history, some some big developments. But if you if you look back uh, to where you are now or what has been over the years reached, what what have been kind of the maybe the biggest milestone or milestones mm-hmm. or what are you the most proud of so far on your road? <laughs> That's an interesting question. I think there's twofold. Um, you know, from the technical side. I think there's two things I'm really proud of. Um, early days, you know, we worked in like a 180 square foot closet, like with KitchenAid mixers, like just figuring out whatever we could do. 
but we were always on a pathway of wanting to make sure we could scale these materials with existing industry. It's where we knew it had to happen to actually work. And so originally it was doing surfboards. We literally made our own steel surfboard molds that we welded together and tried to, to, to foam a blank. That went so horribly wrong, but I was super proud of it. And then on the flip side, one of the things that I always laugh about, I don't know if I'm proud about this. It's just kind of a fun story, but my co-founder, we're at this point, we're like, okay, this is tough. Like we need to find a way in which we can understand the true foaming of this that might scale a little bit better. And one of the things that he did, I think would eventually led towards extrusion kind of abstractly, but he took our material home and actually put it in a cupcake tin and foamed cruise foam cupcakes. And he took them back to us the next day and he's like, we turned this into foam. And I was like, Marco, you're kind of crazy. But it was like that moment where you saw like, okay, we can build on this. We can turn this into a scalable process, knowing that it's able to be done. And then tying that into, I think the other thing that I personally, I'm proud of more just from the risk point of view and, and my team point of view, we raised a million dollars as our first kind of real venture money. Um, we also got our first NSF SBRR grant for 225K. So we about 1.2. This was, I think, just at the end of 2019 or beginning of 2020, right before COVID hit. And I didn't obviously didn't know that was coming. But literally, I took a, a chance and I was like, well, if we're going to do this for real, we need to get an extruder in-house. If we're actually going to make this through extruder, we need to get an extruder. And that is not... <laughs> that's not something you just go do and we had our, our my employee you know number three basically he flew to thailand spent three weeks in thai thailand working with um this thailand you know this thai company around extrusion never been there before we had no idea what we we're doing and he brought back this extruder and it was like literally dropped on our doorstep like in april 2020 we couldn't do anything with it but I look back at that time point and making that decision and taking that risk leapfrogged us in so many ways that had we delayed, especially with COVID, it would have probably set us back way. We probably wouldn't be where we are right now. And it was just one of those things. It's like a startup. You just have to kind of like take your best guess and could have gone horribly wrong. Um, but but Matt was a was a freaking warrior over there and brought back an awesome machine. So those are good times. Absolutely. And and the other side, looking forward now in the kind of spring of 23, you just came out with a big announcement. What was that all about? Yeah, our first product. So our first products and our first large um, partnership with Atlantic Packaging. And so and, we're and super excited. Product, the first product yeah. is not, not bakery related, right? No, no, <laughs> it's not. No. <laughs> not that we haven't gotten some demand for that. It's more for dog food. but. Um, no, the first products we're looking at are e-commerce solutions, really looking at high demand, both in protection and insulation. And so there's a cruise cruise foam wrap. There's a cruise pack, which is kind of a protective um, mailer. And then there's a cruise cooler. And they're all positioned to be curbside recyclable. And it's really understanding this need when you look at replacing things like bubble wrap for e-commerce types of solutions bubble mailers you know there's some decent i would say recyclable mailers out there but i i would argue they've had very minimal protection we actually are shipping more sensitive objects and then finally the cooler which i think is really exciting there's a couple of solutions out there i would say that you know 
service, maybe the food where the, the you know food produce space for for cold chain and the biomaterials or, or sustainable packaging. But I think our solution is really unique, both in its design. It has a really kind of awesome interlocking design that can be modularized, but also it's really added a higher level of integrity and durability, the protection. So you think of things like medical pharma, live seafood. Well, let's start shipping some lobster around. So it's kind of cool when you look at. The response has been overwhelming, and I think doing it through someone like Atlantic Packaging is just the cherry on top. Their their position, I would say, if if not the top, one of the top, you know, sustainable packaging providers in North America, they are incredibly mission aligned with us. I would say, like no one we've come across before. So we're super excited where this is going to take us this year. Um, it's just beginning. Oh, the what about shipping bottles? Haha, <laughs> yes, yes. You're already, it's like you already know. It's like you're part of the business. It's like you're part uh, of the business, you know? No, it's just my personal <laughs> interest. <laughs> you're like, I need some, I need some good wine over here. Um, it's interesting, you know, when we look at how we've designed our foam, we can produce it in a way that adds a level of protection we haven't seen with sustainable materials. And it's also the format in which we can make it. And that's really through large sheet extrusion. And where that is really kind of breakthrough is it allows us to produce and convert these sustainable materials that really hasn't been commonly done, I would say, in the past for biomaterials. There's always kind of a unique production method or a unique way of turning into a product. We can give this to you know people like AP or other ones in the same way they're getting their foam now. And so it really allows for this, you know, analogous and kind of lowering of you know frictionless transition if you will to adopting this and to productize it and when you look at bottles there's um certain solutions out there you know shipping wine or shipping you know more just glass things in general there's certain things where you put them in like a puffed up plastic bag or maybe you have a styrofoam you know casing that goes around it and that is definitely something we're trialing right now with a couple of interested customers around the cruise pack and how that can be adapted to different sizes because clearly the pack right now we have a couple standardized sizes if you start putting in larger and larger bottles not that we can't service it it might just be a slightly different design but you're spot on that's a huge market we see especially here in california i mean there's an and, enormous and, amount of, of 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 good wine here you could say so and online shipping in general of, of bottles i've heard about amazon tests of dropping the i think it was one of the most uh, wanted jobs at amazon to be the testing of the packaging of uh, spirits that you have to drop them from <laughs> was it like meter or one and a half meters on a concrete floor and if it's uh, if it doesn't break then that's pack that packaging is okay for amazon and of course the testing person can keep the spirits <laughs> i wouldn't mind that job i think i, I think maybe, maybe that's where i'll go after cruise from is i'll go work at amazon dropping spirits that's that is awesome no we you know, I won't go into details, but we we definitely spent some time, you know, looking at different drop tests, especially Amazon's, um, going to a handful of different facilities, and that's the benchmark. A lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, we we've tested everywhere from drop, you know, dropping a, a little lotion bottle or or you know, an iPhone to a freaking two hundred pound stove with Whirlpool, and you know, different material demand clearly. But I think when we look at, you know, the the opportunity here, the e-commerce space is just exploding. And there's so much need, as we chatted at the beginning, for people to have packaging 
that resonates with the consumer that's getting it. Cause like my wife and me, we order like way more than we should from Amazon, but the amount of still bubble mailers we get, sometimes I'll get a recycled recyclable mailer that has the product wrapped in bubble wrap inside that mailer. And I'm like, well, good try. I guess try. <laughs> like it's half there maybe, yeah. but that's where it's just, there's still so much room for innovation in this space. And that's where I think these products we're announcing are just really exciting. And uh, looking forward into the 2023, I assume uh, that's the kind of the big, uh, I don't know, proof case or the, or the, all the thing you guys are working on to, to sh- show off to the world. Yeah, those are the big ones. Um, you know, we always have a ton of stuff in the back end. There's, there's always some interesting R&D that might pop up here and there. We're, we're getting some pretty active engagement um, and interest in, in the multiple joint venture opportunities everywhere from maybe a surfboard to literally other projects. You know, there's things where foam does really, I mean, foam's in everything, everything. You wouldn't think it, but it is in literally everything. And one of the most interesting markets for me, and this is probably 2024, you know, is is looking at things like construction. You know, there's there's so much opportunity where we can take this technology. But 2023, let's get rid of as much terrible plastic material in the e-commerce space as we possibly can. Because it, like I said, it needs to happen now. And so I think that's going to be our focus. And the quicker we can deploy here in North America, I think that would be our goal in 2023. And then replicate that internationally because I don't want to say like, I mean, I'll just say it. They're further ahead, both in sustainability and there's a ton of demand and and sourcing production. And it's how can we, mo- you know, not modulate, but replicate what we're doing here to drop in globally while still having regional sourcing of supply, regional manufacturing and regional distribution. Because that's how packaging is done today. So that's what we want to copy. Mm. Good stuff. That's a good point to wrap up also our discussion today. Thanks, John, for joining us. No, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric acid.